Welcome, you found Annunciation Parish in real life, the weekly podcast of Annunciation Parish in Evansville, Indiana. Welcome to our podcast for May 5th, 2021. This is Father Alex with the Signs of Life at Annunciation Parish. We've got a great conversation coming up with Amber Padgett, uh, our newest addition to the parish, who joined us on the Easter Vigil. Uh, but I wanted to just take a moment to um, talk about what I've been reading lately, uh, whether you care or not. But uh, I, there are some great novels that uh, I've been looking at and uh, wanted to share those with you. The first is a novel called uh, In This House of Breed, B-R-E-D-E, by Rumor Godden. I uh, I read it a few months ago, uh, and I know some others in the parish have read it, but it's a, it's a remarkable book about life in a convent and the varying personalities that are called to live together and uh, really unified by a rule of life to face the struggles that come to them individually. What I love about the book, among other things, is that it's dramatic, not in the sense of being exaggerated, but but we really get to know the characters and we're forced really to see ourselves in them. It's almost like reading an examination of conscience and seeing an extremely beautiful humanity under the surface. So it's well worth your time in this house of breed. The other book uh, that I was almost surprised that I hadn't read before is uh, Homer's Odyssey. Uh, I know for a lot of people it was kind of a standard read in high school or college, but but you really get a sense of this young man, Telemachus, who goes in search of his father, Odysseus, to restore order to his house. And I had started reading this book a while ago and then put it down, and then it came up at our priest retreat after Easter, uh, because there's something relevant to our time today about this theme of going in search of a father, going in search of someone who can bring unity and order to our lives. Uh, And so maybe you've read it before, but I found it to be a very kind of helpful, almost critique of our modern culture, even though it's centuries old. So if you haven't read it, The Odyssey by Homer, it takes a while to kind of get used to the style of writing. It was originally passed down orally, so it Takes a little bit to get used to the style, but a great book, a uh, great critique. Uh, I think it has something to say, in other words, of our to our modern culture today. The third uh, book is uh, Crime and Punishment by, by Dostoevsky. It sounds like a, a painful book, <laughs> and, and it is a little bit, uh, not because of it's difficult to read, but because of the the mental anguish that the lead character experiences. Uh, you feel really his uh, his pain as he deals with the effects of his actions. And yet still there's a bit of redemption in there that I think makes it worth enduring the pain that it takes to arrive at that redemption. So if you haven't read it, Crime and Punishment, Dostoevsky, it's, uh, it's worth your time. So there you go. That's what I've been reading. Uh, personally, it helps me to kind of see signs of redemption in works like these because it helps us to be more attentive to how that redemption shows up in our daily lives and in the characters that we come across every single day. And that's The Real Life 
of Annunciation Parish. Well, I am very happy to welcome uh, Amber Paget to our uh, podcast today. Amber, it's great to have you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah. So you uh, you are our latest addition to the uh, to the parish. You joined on the East, in Easter vigil, uh, which was very exciting. And it's funny. So you're just coming into our studio uh, here in the in the parish center, and I have to say, I'm not sure I've seen the bottom half of your face before. I don't think so. Which Probably is not. really, really <laughs> weird. It's nice to see your whole face. Gosh, it's so strange that um, that we can live like this and really not really know the face of the person that's um, that we see every single weekend. So anyway, it's good to see your full face, and it's good to have you with us uh, today. Maybe you could just uh, start off by uh, telling us a little bit about yourself. You know, where did you grow up? Where'd you go to school? What do you do for work? Um, anything else that you want to tell us? Sure. So I grew up actually in Spencer, Indiana, which is a population of 2,500, middle of nowhere, yeah. small country town. Um, it is about half an hour west of Bloomington, Indiana. So mm-hmm. we're talking South Central Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up in a family that is, you know, fairly low income. Um, we moved around a lot. I didn't realize that things were quite as hard for my family as they, they were, you know, reflecting back on it as an adult, like once I got into Mm -hmm. college and kind of realized the things that my, my parents had gone through. Um, so definitely very, very grateful for the opportunities that I was afforded once I got into college and have gotten to where I am now. Um, I was always very different from kind of everyone else in the community in that I was a nerd and that I liked to read. And um, so it was always very, it was always kind of hard for me to fit into that very rural type of community. Right. Um, as far as where I have come to be now, I... Completed a doctoral program at IU. I went to IU uh, in Bloomington for seven years. I did my undergraduate and graduate studies there. And so I have a doctoral degree in audiology. So Mm -hmm. I am an audiologist. Um, For anyone who doesn't know what that is, it (laughs) is a a specialist in hearing and balance sciences. And after I graduated, my then fiance, now husband, Mm -hmm. and I, we moved to Las Vegas um, for an opportunity. Yeah. So we were out there for three years. Living the wildlife in Vegas. It was, it was really nice. (laughs) You know, um, a lot of people think, you know, you, oh, well you live on the strip and you don't, that's like two miles of it. (laughs) And then it's actually really beautiful outside Mm. of that. And um, a very welcoming community. It was very similar to Bloomington in the, the welcoming type of atmosphere that, that we encountered there. Um, But we were there for three years. So we were there from July of 2017 to July of 2020. Um, I, my position was actually furloughed in March of 2020 because of COVID. Okay. And um, then when it became kind of clear that I might not get my position back, I had to start looking for other work. Yeah. And one of the opportunities that came up was a, a job opportunity here in Evansville. Mm-hmm. And so my husband and I started talking and we said, is this the time when we go back to Indiana? Is this the time that we go back home? because my sister had just had a baby in March of 2020. And so 
we were like, well, it seems pretty much like the cards are laying in the right place. And um, so then I got the job and we came back here. And, you know, that's kind of how how everything came to be in terms of where I've been and how how we're going. So. Wow. Well, thank God for the pandemic that yeah. brought you here to us. You know that we say that a lot, you know, it's <laughs> you don't you don't want to thank something that's taken so many lives, yeah. but in terms of the way that it shaped our lives specifically, it's I don't know that you know, reflecting specifically on my faith journey and the opportunities afforded to me with being furloughed and then needing to find a different opportunity and it being yeah. here in Evansville and then coming into this parish and, and this faith community and those things just wouldn't have happened. It, right. You know, it, it, it just would not have been something that I would have been able to do without the pandemic, without losing that job and being forced yeah. to look for something else. It's a real sign of the providence of God and how God uses anything really to lead us to where he wants us to be. So yeah. Well, let's talk about faith. Um, uh, can, can you give us a little bit of a history of, of kind of how you um, arrived at joining the Catholic Church and, you know, what was your faith growing up? Uh, uh, how did that kind of transition as you got older? You want to give us the Reader's Digest version of your life in, in terms of faith? So growing up, um, my mom specifically had a hard time, had a bad experience with a small church in our community, um, embezzling money from the Hmm. parish. And so when she was young, my grandparents stopped going to church. Um, so I did not grow up going to church. Hmm. My parents encouraged me that, you know, there was you know, faith that there was God, that, you know, we had the Bible and taught me to, you know, the golden rule and those things and always encouraged me that if I had questions or if I wanted to go to a church or something like that, that they would always help me get there. But it was never something like we go to church on Sundays. Um, We mainly went to church with my Methodist grandmother on Easter and for Christmas Eve. Uh-huh. And those were those were the holidays that we went yeah. to church. But I cannot tell you that I remember anything about those services. Sure. Um, from there, you know, once I got into high school and then my first year or two into undergraduate studies, um, so early adulthood, I went to a couple of different churches. I went to a Pentecost church. I went to a, a traditional Baptist church. Um, and then... You know, those were kind of like, I'm not really sure about this. This is a little overwhelming. This is not really something I think that I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, felt spiritual, but not necessarily f- like this is something that I want to do religiously. Yeah. Um, and kind of never really got back to anything um, through undergraduate studies. And then I met my husband um, before I started graduate school in 2014. So, uh, sorry, if I can interrupt you. Sure. So this is really interesting to me. So you you had a kind of a, a kind of a distant relationship with faith growing up. Mm-hmm. But then suddenly when you get into college, something happens that reawakens this desire. Or maybe are, were you with friends that kind of made you so, want to kind of explore, start exploring things? Because for a lot of people, it's the opposite. They yeah. grow up 
in in the faith, and then when they get to college, they run away from it. So <laughs> this is kind of the, the, the other direction. Yeah. No, so I had... Um, it's really funny working in, you know, being in a small town, one of the uh, most popular jobs you could have was at the McDonald's. And that's <laughs> where I worked for many, many years was yeah. at the McDonald's. And most of the kids in high school worked at the McDonald's. And there were a good group of friends of mine that went to this Baptist church. And it was the Lighthouse Tabernacle in mm-hmm. Gosport, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And um, these friends of mine were very, very you know, religiously went to this church and they were like, you need to obviously doing, um, missionary work. You need to come, you need to, you know, experience this. And I was like, okay, well I'll give it a shot. And so I went and it was, it was fine. They were very welcoming, but I was kind of taken aback by just the amount of like, it was an incorporation of, it was almost like a concert, Right. So they had like a, like almost like an electric guitar and there was like this singing and and then um in the middle of the service people were coming up to you know the front and they were kneeling and their hands were up and it was just very overwhelming at you know 18 19 years sure. old having yeah. never really been in that type of environment <laughs> and you're like oh my goodness what's happening. Yeah. Um and then afterward they're like and here's refreshments and now we do bible study and I'm like okay all right <laughs> sure thing. Um so that was kind of how I got into it from there. So it was friends okay. um yeah. at my job that were like you need to come to church with us and at least you know check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um then when I was in college, I was and am a member of a sorority that uh, is based on and founded on Christian womanhood ideals. Mm-hmm. And so that aspect of faith was very large in that sorority. And so they would have, there was a very large piece of that a membership that encouraged going to Bible study and asking sure. questions and things like that. And so that was always kind of there in the back of the mind subconsciously or otherwise that it's here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to some extent, the faith was always around in through college. Yeah. yeah. And so then when I met my husband in 2014 um, and he, you know, divulged that he grew up Catholic, you know, he went to Catholic elementary and middle school and then, you know, went to mass every, they went to mass on Saturday evenings, but, mm-hmm. you know, grew up doing that. And, um, when we went home to meet his parents, the, for the first time they wanted me to go to mass with them. That was probably one of next to the Baptist experience when I was 18, 19 years old, going to mass was probably one of the most overwhelming experiences <laughs> I had ever had in my entire life because they, you know, he grew up in only Illinois and that's where I went to mass for the first time. And there, that church is a little more conservative. It has mm-hmm. a little bit, uh, of a, like an older feel. Uh-huh. And so we went to mass and I'm standing there and there they're reciting in unison and there's chanting and mm-hmm. there's, and then all of a sudden everybody's lined up and they're taking something from <laughs> someone and they're drinking from this cup. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, what is happening? And I left and I was like, that was really a lot. That was kind of uncomfortable. And I'm not sure exactly what happened. Yeah. I really don't know about that. That's great. I, I love that. Thank you so much for that, for your honesty on that, because there, there are a lot of folks I think you know, who are Catholic who say, 
we just need to bring people to mass. Like, <laughs> let's just bring people to mass and show them what we do. And, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm that's a sure. lot. It's that's a the lot. first place that yeah. we should bring them. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that mass is probably one of the most overwhelming places to bring someone who's never either been to a service before uh, or who has not had extensive experience with yeah. going to church mm-hmm. in the past. Yeah. Um, because like I said, that mass is probably one of the most overwhelming experiences because you have all of these people who without any resources in their hands at all whatsoever can recite entire Mm -hmm. pieces of of scripture or you know the the creed creed, or yeah and Mm -hmm. i'm just like where did they get this where (laughs) where are the words like i don't even know where to reference any of this yeah um or able to you know sing back a, a, a psalm, mm-hmm. you know, without looking at what needs to be recited. And it's yeah. just like, I yeah. had no idea what was going on. And so we left and I was like, I don't know about this. <laughs> um, and we went to two more masses um, over the course of going to see his parents a few more times. And, you know, I just progressively started to feel like I was, it was more of like, you need to go to mass because this is what we do. And mm-hmm. it wasn't like I wanted to go. Right. And so it started to feel more and more uncomfortable. And I was yeah. like, I really don't, I really don't want to do this. Like it doesn't feel good. Yeah. And, um, that was not, that was a really tense situation. Sure. Um, and so from there, you know, it, I, I stopped doing that and it stopped going to the mass because it was just really overwhelming. I was yep. like, I don't have any resources. I don't know what's happening. I don't, yeah, yeah. this is really uncomfortable. Um, and so when we were together, we moved in together and things like that. We did not go to mass regularly. You know, he was not going to mass when he was in college regularly. So he actually, like you were saying, had kind of stepped away from the faith when Mm -hmm. he was in college, like on his own, he would go when he would go home, but he wasn't going regularly on his own. Um, you're telling all of his secrets. I know, I know. (laughs) Um, we, he proposed to me August 20th of 2015. Mm -hmm. And, um, we talked about, you know, what we wanted in terms of a wedding and things like that. And it became very clear to me through our discussions that, um, that Catholicism was a very large piece of who he is and that it it is a very important part of who he is, even though he had kind of stepped away from it. Sure. And he never asked for a Catholic wedding. He never brought up that that was what he wanted or that it meant something like that to him. And I was actually the one that, that came to him and said, I think that we should look at having the a Catholic wedding. I think that would be really important to wow. do that. Um and so, you know, that meant a lot to him and, and he was very moved by that. And so mm-hmm. we started looking into making that happen. Um, wow. So then it was like, okay, well then, like, what do I need to do? Because I'm not baptized. I'm not in the faith. Like, and then learned about RCIA for the first time at that point. Uh-huh. So that's in 2015, okay. right? 2016. Um, tried to go through the process in a small church in Corbin, Kentucky. <laughs> That was not a good experience. She's shaking her head right now, folks. <laughs> that was that was rough. Um, I went to two or three sessions. It was either the second or the third session. You know, I walked in and they were like, and now we're going to talk about the unforgivable sins. And I was like, 
All right, then. No Welcome. Okay. Welcome to the church. And they were like, if you do X, Y, and Z, then you cannot be for This is unforgivable. And I was like, that's wow. that's hard and fast. I don't know that I agree with that. Wow. And so it was just a very conservative, very old type of teaching, um, just very very much not the type of education that I received through this process here. Yeah. Pretty moralistic um, in terms of its... Yeah, yeah, it was very black and white. It's very like, you know, you you are just eternally sinful and you can never really achieve yeah. repentance. And But if you do these things, and, you know, it was during an election year, which was probably a terrible time uh, to try to go through yeah. anything, but um, it was just very, yeah. very hard. And I told yeah. him, I was like, I... I really don't feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. Um, we spoke with the priest who married us um, because at that point we then moved to Vegas in 2017. Mm -hmm. Spoke with the priest about the experience that I had and his name is Father Kevin Haynes. He actually is the, um, I don't think he presides over services anymore, mm -hmm. um, but he is at St. Marie Goretti in Westfield, okay. Indiana. And, um, you know, he said, you will eventually find a church that is not quite that extreme. You'll find a church that embraces kind of the a newer type of teaching um, mm. because he is very warm and welcoming, and I always felt so comfortable with him yeah. and very accepted. And I was like, I don't know why, you know, it felt so different in that church and why, you know, I was so ready to do something after speaking with you and wanting to do this and that just felt so not good. And, and he said, you know, you just have to kind of find somewhere that, that you feel comfortable, um, that embraces kind of what you're looking for. He said, unfortunately, you, you are going to find that there are certain parishes or churches that, that embrace or teach a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, yeah. which I didn't realize. Yeah. There's great wisdom in that. I mean, because I, I think for a lot of folks when they, who are outside the Catholic church, they, they think there's there's just there's one there's one image or there's one kind of standard way of of living the faith or teaching the faith or passing on the faith and the fact is that there are as many ways of doing that as there are catholic churches throughout the world and I, what part of the beauty of the church is that it can embrace all those things i mean you can have uh you know very formal liturgies which can be very beautiful and and uh particular way of passing on the faith and you can have very modern liturgies where the music is you know very upbeat and it's all somehow within the arms of of the church so uh there's great wisdom uh in in saying just kind of keep looking mm -hmm. <laughs> stick with it yeah yep and so you know we we kind of looked at a couple of churches in Vegas and they were all surprisingly much more um, traditional than, mm -hmm. than we anticipated. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, I really don't feel comfortable <laughs> here. Um, and so we didn't really pursue masses or church or anything like that out in Vegas. The only thing we really did was go to the, the mandatory counseling for, for our wedding. Uh -huh. um, and then when we came back out it to... To Evansville, Annunciation is actually where William's mom was a parishioner where she grew up. And mm -hmm. so when we came back to Evansville, William said, you know, let's go, let's go here for mass this week. Yeah. Um, I'm familiar with this church. It's where my mom went to church when mm -hmm. she was growing up in Evansville. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. And so we came here and it was 
you know, that that's where we found, even in that first service, just a completely different type of environment of welcomingness mm-hmm. and openness and in your homily, in that first homily that I listened to and heard, it was just so different than anything else that I had experienced up to that point. Mm. Um, And so that's kind of my faith journey in terms of getting to where we are today and and what brought me into the church here. That's fantastic. Well, thank you for giving us that that history. Um, It's nice to know that (laughs) you found us to be a welcoming place and a place where uh, you felt like you could um, really enter into what we were doing. and Because uh, it is a challenge to overcome that hump of feeling like an outsider and starting to realize that um, it's not just about repetition of these prayers. It's not just about you know everyone speaking in unison. But it, there is a, a very personal aspect to... What it, what it is that we do in communion, you know. In some ways, our prayer isn't quite as meaningful if we're all just kind of doing our own thing and just mindlessly repeating words. Like, it it requires a kind of an engagement on our part to really enter into it. So uh, I hope that's your experience now uh, uh, as you celebrate with us. Well, thanks, Amber, for for joining us for, for this conversation. And, um, uh, certainly know of our prayers as you continue to uh, dig into the communal communal life here at Annunciation, and uh, certainly we'll pray for you as you really start to grow up in the Catholic faith and, and see what that looks like. Thank you. All right. Thanks for spending time with us. Join us again next week right here on Annunciation Parish in Real Life.